You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey everybody, welcome back to Knowing Motherhood. Today, um, this is episode uh, 34 and the last episode of 2022. So I'm glad you're tuning in. This fall was the busiest ever for our family. And that was largely due to our entering the competitive sports era of our parenting journey. But also because we like so many other families were hit hard by the 100 viruses this cold and flu season um, brought about. So I felt like my endurance was tested in every way. But it was also a really special season in which we saw one child grow in his love for piano, another work hard to develop strong setting skills in volleyball and straight A's on her report card, another child worked hard to overcome social anxiety issues in kindergarten, and one shined in her love for school and with her friends. So as we all finish up this year together, I feel so grateful despite the many challenges that parenting and life can bring. One highlight this past month was the opportunity that I had to share a message of hope with almost 150 women in our small community here in northern BC, Canada. At an annual gathering that's been happening for years but was paused due to the pandemic, I spoke of some of my testimony which includes loss and postpartum mental illness. Some of these stories were shared for the first time and I felt honored to speak to what God has taught me through some incredibly painful experiences. The hope he offers us though in times of struggle is so very real and my testimony is one that points to his goodness again and again. He is faithful in the way that he not only carries us through but also molds and shapes us if we allow him to do that work in us. In the most hopeless moments, God has shown me his everlasting love. I believe that everyone's story is meant to be shared. You've heard me say that probably many times, whether in private conversation or on on a stage or from behind a mic. So it's a joy to share with you here today. The message you're about to hear is not a live recording, but it's a word for word reading of what was spoken that evening in the large cozy lodge at Rock Nest Ranch, surrounded by many beautiful faces, strings of glowing lights, and the presence of our good, good God. Six years and one month ago today was a painful day. I remember the waiting, how I sat in that private waiting room chair It was a cozy, small alcove in the hospital's maternity ward. My hands were slightly shaky, resting on my small four-and-a-half-month belly, breathing in, breathing out. I was carefully processing the pain of having just learned our baby was no longer alive. Twenty-two weeks too early felt so very wrong. I remember the seconds of the clock ticking by slowly, sitting in the ache of the wait is a heavy and tension-filled place to be. Labor, I was told, should start by morning. 
I remember the warm tea in my hands at 3 a.m., the well-used hospital blanket around my cold shoulders. I remember learning our baby was a boy, the tears that ran down my face without restraint, the sobs I held back. Every part of me wanted to wail in the grief I felt, but I held it in because it felt unnatural to let out anguish in that way. I also remember the peaceful presence of God, the only source of unfathomable strength. He was there. While my ability to grieve well was very limited, my understanding of God's goodness and suffering was maturing, and I had spent the entire night awake journaling and praising as I waited for the inducing medication to assist in the delivery of River, the son who wouldn't grow beyond 18 weeks. In this time together today, I hope to turn your attention to the circumstances we find ourselves in that cause us to lose hope and the truth that sets us free, truth that can set you free from despair, free from confusion, free from addiction, free from anxiety and depression, free from hopelessness. In Isaiah 40, verse 25 to 31, it says this, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In Isaiah 40, we see the Lord's people referred to as Jacob and Israel, discouraged and afraid because their concept of God was too small. It was too limited. The prophet Isaiah is reminding them of God's greatness, greatness none of us can attain, but greatness that is the foundation we stand on and so easily can forget in the face of the unknown. This makes me ask, why are we so easily shaken when the circumstances in our lives become difficult? Why do we lose hope so quickly when life feels like it's spinning out of control? I'd like to suggest, based on my own life story, that it's often a lack of understanding and belief in God's character and attributes. Elizabeth Elliot, if you're not familiar with her story, was a woman passionate to follow God with her whole life from a very young age. She met a young, also passionate young man named Jim in college, and they together formed uh, a vision for going overseas to Ecuador uh, to reach an unreached tribe there. Shortly after their daughter was born, Jim attempted along with several other young missionaries to connect with the Aka Indians of southern Ecuador, and their humble attempt to share the gospel with this unreached tribe was met with spears and ultimately their deaths. Shortly after returning to the U.S. in the biggest surprise twist of this true story, Elizabeth answered God's call once again and moved back to the jungle with her young daughter, Valerie, to continue the work her husband had been so passionate and faithful to begin. 
Okay, so let's be honest. That must have seemed crazy to so many of the people in her life. I can imagine saying something to her along the lines of, okay, you just lost your husband. There's no way you can take your daughter back there. But Elizabeth, who she knew who she had surrendered her life to, and her obedience in what seemed like a very risky and possibly insane idea resulted in the majority of the Aka Indians coming to know Christ. Elizabeth Elliot knew her God was trustworthy, even if things had gone differently for her. Her hope was rightly placed in His greatness, her fear rightly placed in God's sovereignty alone. What we believe to be true about God determines how much we trust Him. And the level at which we trust in Him informs the hope we have when life threatens to knock us down. Why is having a right understanding of who God is so important? After leaving um, my small hometown um, and weighty, the weighty teen years that I'd struggled through there, I found myself in Bible college, a place I felt so intimidated by and yet grateful to be at. I had a very small and weak understanding of what it truly meant to be a child of God, but in a relatively short time, my heart softened to his word, and eventually I recognized my need for counseling. In one particular session with a college professor, pastor, and his wife, I shared openly about some of my unknowingly faulty beliefs about God's character. Since recommitting my life to Christ in the first few weeks of school starting, I'd began dealing with overwhelming nightmares and thoughts that shook me to the core. One in particular was the idea that if I didn't uphold the things I was learning to walk in as a newly committed follower of Jesus, that God might take away something or someone very precious to me. At the time, the person that I loved most dearly was my younger sister. The lie that God might take her if I didn't hold true to what he was asking of me was a very dominant fear in my mind. If I had known the true character of God, I would have known that this is not the way that God motivates us to love him or others. But I was very weak in my understanding of theology, and I had believed the lie that many others do as well, that my good works and behavior were what would keep me in good standing with God. I didn't understand grace. In that moment of sharing such a shameful acknowledgement of my works-based understanding of God, the pastor's wife spoke words that touched me deeply and stuck close to me in the weeks and months that followed, words of wisdom that sent me down a whole new path of pondering the nature of God and who He truly is. She said, Oh, but that would be a cruel God, and we don't serve a cruel God. Had I believed that God was cruel? a tyrannical dictator who only sought to gain my full obedience and if it wasn't provided would punish heartlessly and without mercy? Why did I think and behave that way towards my creator? Why did or where did this fearful perspective come from? So many questions. How did he feel about me? Well, he loves me, of course. I'd heard this in church and school my whole childhood. But did I believe it? And then the most important question of all, did I believe I was worthy of his love? The truth is, I didn't have a right perspective of God. Therefore, I was highly susceptible to the lies that the enemy intended to use to harm my relationship with him. My poor understanding of him was rooted not only in the lies I'd believed, but also in a very unknowingly prideful attitude that my behaviors affected his affection towards me. And that is simply impossible. Isaiah 54 verse 10 says, Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love for you will not be moved. 
and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. In the spring and summer of 2018, I was challenged once again to take a hard look at who I believed God to be as I battled a postpartum mental health nightmare. And it wasn't until I found myself face down on the carpet in my room one sunny afternoon that I started to understand my very great need to submit fully to the God of my heart. After experiencing a very intense anxiety attack five months postpartum, my brain would not slow down or cease producing intrusive thoughts that made me question everything I had known to be true about myself. Every single trauma and fearful thing I'd experienced, every awful news report or disturbing movie scene I'd ever watched was at the front of my mind and the malfunctioning of my mind at the time twisted those things, making me terrified that I might experience psychosis or another breakdown and hurt one of the ones most precious to me. This illness is considered a severe postpartum anxiety disorder and has only recently been referred to as PPOCD, which is, um, stands for postpartum OCD. It can show up in many forms through obsessive hand washing, fearing just regular harm coming to one's child, or for me, a fear of harming others. I treated myself like I was a threat to our family, constantly obsessing over my own actions, and it was all in my mind. The sad truth is you never would have known it looking at me from across a room or a table over coffee. The fears continued to get worse, and as I struggled to nurse our youngest to one year, um, a commitment I'd made with all of our children, I pushed through more fear than I knew was humanly possible during those months. All the while going for counseling and trying to figure out what I had done wrong. That tells you a lot about how I viewed myself and more importantly, how I still struggled to have a right perspective of our good God. I didn't understand grace and I feared myself more than I feared the God who made this universe. I was dealing with an issue of misplaced fear. That day in May, I had experienced yet another round of terrifying thoughts that made my body tremble in fear. I needed medical care, but was so opposed to medication at the time because I had many preconceived ideas about how it might affect me. The hard truth was that this illness wasn't going to get better unless a miracle happened or I chose to get help. As I laid there on the floor that sunny afternoon, so filled with angst, I screamed into the carpet, God, I need you to fight for me. I had recently read Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I was so confused by this verse and so desperate for God to intervene. How can I be still? Depending on your personality type, you will generally respond to fear in one of three ways. Fight, flight, or freeze. You may have heard of, of this before. You may be familiar with this. Um... I'm a fighter naturally, and the way that I fought was actually making my illness worse. Month after month, my shame kept me almost entirely silent, and my symptoms spiraled into a jail-like OCD experience. My fighting and my own strength was actually increasing my suffering and ultimately diminishing my hope. On one particular day, months into this fight, I had gotten out on my own for a while to go do errands. And as I turned into the shopping mall complex, I saw a homeless woman sitting on a rocky patch near an electrical box, holding a sign asking for help. 
Her face was covered in acne, probably outbreaks related to drug addiction, and she looked in need of much care. As I got out of my car, I felt the Holy Spirit encourage me to go get this woman some food from the Tim Hortons directly across from where she was sitting. When I walked back over to her and handed her the food, my inclination was to say, God bless you or something encouraging, but I felt again another clear prompting that I was to sit with her and ask her about her story. Her name was Sarah. She was running from someone. She'd been hurt and was clearly an addict. She said she'd once owned a Bible, but she didn't seem to know much about God. For the first time in my life, I felt like I had something in common with someone in this low position. As I sat there 30 minutes later with sharp rocks pressing into my legs, I thought about how little the physical discomfort actually bothered me in comparison to the mental and emotional pain I was battling. And that's when it hit me. The truth about just how similar this woman and I were, but also the one big difference between us. Our pain was just as great. Our suffering likely on par in that moment, though she showed it on the outside, and I didn't. The Lord spoke gently to my heart in that moment. You feel as broken and scared as she does right now, but you know the hope that she does not. God says in his word in Isaiah 40 that those who wait on or hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Renew in this context means to exchange. It doesn't mean that God comes and gives us a power up so we can keep fighting. To be renewed means we exchange our weakness for his strength. We choose to acknowledge our shortcomings and rely fully on his limitless power and ability to save. Our hope is found in the attributes of God. When my body fails me, when my health is challenged, I find my hope in his all-sufficient sovereignty because he is dependent on nothing and I am fully dependent on him. When my income is diminished and an ability to self-sustain is threatened, I can find my hope in God's infinite, just, and loving character. He will take care and do what is right and best for his children. That is a promise you can depend on. When a church family member speaks or acts without love, I find my hope in God's grace. He has given me more than I could ever deserve or earn. Hope in His goodness because He is unable to sin or do me wrong. When my spouse betrays my trust, my hope is found in God's faithful presence. I know He will never leave or forsake me. When my child no longer has a heartbeat, my hope is in God's omniscience. He is all-knowing and understands why, even if I never will. He is merciful and compassionate. His heart breaks with mine. God is limitless, but we can so quickly forget this and behave like He is limited as we are. Do you believe that He is who He says He is? That He is good and kind no matter your circumstances? We can only survive the hardships of this life without Him, but with Him. We can survive and thrive in the midst of them. On August 22nd of 2018, several months after my time talking with the young homeless woman, I had been to one of my biweekly counseling sessions. I had left feeling quite anxious, but didn't feel quite ready to head home, so I decided to go to my favorite farmer's market store to grab a few things. As I pulled into the parking lot, I witnessed the moment of impact 
as a semi jackknifed and hit a small car as they approached the large intersection. The impact was so great that I actually saw the motor of the small car fly into the air and land in the ditch near the parking lot. I had my phone beside me and quickly snapped a photo in case it would be needed and I pulled into a parking spot. I sat for a minute and contemplated heading home because traffic was stopped and people from all over were running to help, but I knew that I had witnessed the accident so it was right to stay. I walked over to the roadside, concerned of course, but here's what was going on inside my head as I stood there watching. I couldn't believe that I, in my highly anxious state, had just witnessed an accident of this caliber when I was supposed to go home right after my counseling session. I was in a very paranoid state of fearing any stress that could tip me over the edge or make me worse in some way. And because mental illness of any kind can cause us to behave and think very self-centeredly, I just stood there wondering why God had allowed me to witness this accident. So I asked him, why? And there was no answer in that moment except one word, pray. I have you here to pray. So I stood there and I prayed for those involved in the accident, for those who may be traumatized by what they'd witnessed, for the helpers, for those who had the ability to do what I couldn't in that moment. I learned later that the woman in the car had been killed instantly. I waited an hour to give my witness account to the police officers present, and when the officer that spoke with me asked me if I would like a follow-up call in case I began dealing with any trauma symptoms, I actually half laughed and said, it's okay, I'm already in counseling for trauma. Do you believe that you are worthy of God's love? He says you are. Do you believe that he has good plans for you despite your pain? I can testify that it's true. My standing here today is proof. In November of 2018, after several more months of struggling to get better, I voluntarily admitted myself into the psychiatric unit at our local hospital and spent a few weeks recovering. And that is a whole book full of stories for another time. But God in his kindness did a tremendous work in my heart and my mind during that time. And while I still wrestle with symptoms of PTSD and trauma related to this experience, I have never known hope, peace, joy, and love like I do today. God's plans for you are good, even in the midst of suffering. If you've been raised in the church, maybe you have heard this so many times that it's lost its significance. However, the truth of who God is has always been and will forever be alive and active in our lives, whether we choose to see it or not. If you are a woman of the word, you have a hope in the living God that he will do what he says, that he keeps every promise, and that not one day goes by where his eyes have not remained on you at all times. Do you understand that you cannot earn the love of God This makes no sense to us as imperfect women trying to make our way through life. Here, though, is a solid truth to live by. Grace is a gift given to us that we do not deserve and cannot repay. We, you, cannot earn God's love. However, what you can do is miss out on the love of God renewing and transforming you in the midst of your suffering. 
when I'm overwhelmed by this life, here's what I speak out loud. It's the truth that God has taught me to rehearse again and again that keeps my eyes focused on him and not solely on my pain. God, you are mighty to save. You are my strong tower. You have an everlasting love for me. You go before me. You stand behind me. Lord, you are my refuge, my strength. You are fighting for me. You see me and you know me. You are with me. I am safe with you. You are my everything and I can trust you. Friend, you will become tired. You will grow weary. You will stumble and you will fall. But again and again, we are promised that our strength will be renewed. And our good God, creator of all, does not grow tired or weary. He understands everything that we do not. And that has to be enough for us, or we will stay in a hamster wheel of anxiety and despair, searching for answers we're not meant to have. Maybe in the future, but that is up to the one we've entrusted our lives to. Elizabeth Elliot has this quote, Today is mine. Tomorrow is none of my business. If I peer anxiously into the fog of the future, I will strain my spiritual eyes so that I will not see clearly what is required of me now. God's words to us are clear. Your way, your circumstances are not hidden from me. I love you. I see you. I have the power to renew you, to rescue you in whatever way I see fit. Trust me. Don't run from me. I will fight for you. I have made a way for you. Sister, unlike the broken vows that you may that you may have experienced, God's promises for us can never be broken. I pray that fuels your heart with renewed strength today. You are not enough, but He is. Our hope is secured in the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? He really did come, and He is coming back. So what do we do as we sit in the ache of the waiting? Number one, we fight, but we fight with truth. Who is your father? Rehearse and squash the enemy's lies with truth. Deny shame a place at your table. Shame only hinders our healing. It keeps us silent and isolated. Number two, run. Run to the author of your story. You are safe in his arms. Praise him in the storm. Believe God when he says he will fight for you. Say no to the things that promise comfort, but are only a temporary fix. And number three, sit. Sit in his presence. Be in his word alone and with others. Be still and know that he is sovereign over every painful moment because Jesus, the ultimate provider of hope, has come. And he will fill you with indescribable joy. Thank you, friends, so much for joining me here today. I feel so grateful for each and every guest that has joined me on Knowing Motherhood this year. If you are a newer listener, you may not know that this podcast was born out of the painful season that I shared about today. In 2018, as I was struggling to heal from the postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder that I was going through that almost that entire year, the Lord began to create in me a heart for other women hurting in the way that I was, fearful and alone. 
The limited empathy that I possessed at the time grew significantly as I wrestled with why this happens to so many women and how so many like myself feel afraid to talk about it. As I grew an understanding of what I was dealing with, I found peace in focusing on how I could use my experience to help other mothers. And that's when the Lord began to use podcasts as a way to bring a healthy routine into the midst of the hardest days that I was walking through and also eventually pressed it upon my heart to start one myself. It's because of the painful parts of my story that Knowing Motherhood was born. And I have had the privilege of hearing from many of you just how much the content, the life stories, and the wisdom shared here has meant to you. We have listeners all over the globe, and not all are mothers. Some are women wanting to support the mothers in their lives. Some are husbands and fathers wanting to do the same. Or to be educated and encouraged because not all of our episodes hold content that's just for the mothers of our world. Some of you have shared that you've made significant life changes because of the way the Lord has used knowing motherhood, and I'm so honored to be a part of your story. I'll be taking a a five-week break from releasing new content for you, but I can't wait to be back at the end of January 2023. As Christmas draws very near, I'd love to remind you that this is just a holiday and that we get to celebrate Jesus' arrival and God's incredible gift of salvation to us every single day of our lives. He truly is the gift. Let's slow down, let go, and let God do the work in us that He knows is needed over the course of the rest of the days of 2022. I'm really excited to be back here again with you soon. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Uh, See you here again soon.